Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we wanna encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description of this video online at fellowshipgj.com or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring this message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Well, this is our third week in our series called Slaying Dragons, and this week we're going to be talking about evil desires. Evil desires. We all have them. Well, we all can struggle with them at times. And what I found, I was thinking about it today, even my pets struggle with evil desires. I know you've probably seen pictures of my pets in the past. Isn't it funny how before we're married, our pets are kind of our kids, and then when we're free birds or empty nesters, they kind of become our kids again. And we, we have a lot of stories about our pets. And I've got two dogs, both small dogs, a Yorkie and then a cockapoo, and then I have a, I have a cat. And their interactions are pretty comical. But what I've noticed about my Yorkie and my cat is that they have evil desires. Those two will mess with each other all the time. And they do it for fun. They do it because they're a little sick in the head. And what will happen is they'll, they'll kind of pick a fight with each other, and they'll kind of chase each other around the room. But my, my Yorkie's smart, because my Yorkie won't pick a fight with my cat unless I'm in the room, because she knows. She knows that, that if I'm in the room, that cat won't hurt her. But if I'm not in the room, you know, jury's out. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. Now, she's so smart that what she does now is when I'm still asleep in the morning, she will whine to wake me up so that I will escort her into her dish, her dish bowls with water and food because she knows that the cat is laying in wet and, and, and wait. That's, that's how smart she is. So I'm 54 years old, and you know what? I have dignity, but I've been relegated to a security for a four-pound dog. That's where I'm at right now in my house. So evil desires, they exist. They exist within us. They, they exist all around us. And we don't want to yield to them. I mean, there's good desires, there's bad desires. Of course, we have good desires, desires that maybe we want to go back to school. Maybe we want to get married. Maybe we want to start a business. Those are good desires. It's the evil ones that we have to be careful of. Now, one of my favorite people in the Bible, but probably my most favorite character in the Bible besides Jesus, is David, King David. And if you want to look into a person's life on how they handle evil desires, sometimes in good ways and sometimes in bad, there's David. His scripture is really clear on those stories and the things that he faced. 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 4 says, Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. Now, you know, if you read this scripture earlier, earlier on in this chapter, we find that he is actually supposed to be at war during this time of year. That the king is 
supposed to be out of battle with his troops and for his country. But his leaders and some friends went to David and said, you know what, let us handle this. We got it. The last thing we want is to see you get hurt or hurt or killed. You're the king. That, that's going to cost us a lot. If one of us gets injured or killed, it, it won't affect the country. So just stay at home. We got you. And David listened. So he stayed home. He's home. He's bored. He's got a lot of idle time on his hands. He's taking naps in the middle of the day, and he's walking around on his roof, probably admiring his own kingdom. Now, ladies, I don't know about you, but for guys, being bored is dangerous. It's dangerous. I think it's dangerous for, for ladies, too, but, but I know for guys, we struggle with that. And, I, and you probably, you, you might have had your grandma when you were growing up say things to you like, Tammy, idle hands are the devil's workshop. You ever heard that saying? It's not scriptural, but it's true. And I remember hearing that growing up. I just did this series, it was a couple years ago, and it was talking about dealing with evil desires. And, and the teachers said, men are like flatbed trucks. We run straighter under a load. And what the author was trying to say there was that, you know, we're, we're way better off if we're busy, if we're doing something constructive. And he was saying this for men, but I think it's true for ladies, it's true. And I'm not just talking about busy work. I'm, I'm talking about doing things that make you and give you purpose. The scripture continues, as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Now, no, it's not a sin for a man or a woman to notice someone that may be attractive. He hadn't sinned yet. You sin when looking turns to longing. And how do you know when you're longing? You're staring. You're gawking. You're, you, you don't take your mind or your eyes off of that person. Now, we assume that David stared and longed because of what he does in verse 3. Scripture says he sent someone to find out who she was. And he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, um, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So she is a married woman. And it doesn't matter if she's married or she's not. He wasn't supposed to be looking at her in that way because she was not his wife. So he's staring at her. He's, he's starting to lust after her. And the, the Bible says, then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. And it's super easy for us to judge David right here. Right? It's like, really? Come on, David. You, you don't have enough wives? R really? You, you know, you big jerk. You, you typical man. You can't control yourself. We could do that. We, we can jump into that, that mindset about David reading his story, but how many times have we been there? On that terrace, desiring something that is not ours and longing for something that we don't need. It might not be a woman that you're longing after. Guys, you know, might not, ladies, it might not be a man that you're longing after. It might be something else that you desire. Maybe it's a new car or a new house that you can't afford. There's nothing wrong with new cars. There's nothing wrong with new homes. But you got to ask yourself, can I afford them? Maybe it's a position of power that you long for. Maybe you're in a job or workplace, and, and somebody has a, a, a position of authority, and you want it. Whether or not it's yours, it doesn't matter. You want that position. Maybe it's drugs. 
Maybe, maybe drugs are something you deal with. Maybe alcohol is something that you struggle with. And, and so you, you get yourself in a, in a position, and maybe you've had a hard day, and, and maybe you just want to forget about some stuff that you're going through. And so you, you jump into alcohol with both feet, and you allow it to numb your mind and, and, and numb your feelings and just make you forget for a, a period of time. Or maybe it's just like a, a big plate of chicken wings. All right? Anybody, I'll tell you, yeah, there you go. Thank you, brother. I'm not the only one. We all have desires. We do. But these evil desires, we have to keep in check. It's the, it's the desires that are mixed with temptation that get us into trouble. And as long as we are on this earth, temptation is something that we are going to have to deal with. It's never going to cease. But we need to understand some things about temptation. First of all, in James chapter 1, verse 13, the Bible says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desires he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So he starts off here, it says, by our own desires. Our own evil desires. We can't blame this on anyone else. We can't, we can't push it off on anybody else. It's our desires. They were David's desires that were within him. And then it says that he was dragged away or that we're dragged away and enticed. We say things like, but it feels right. I mean, it, I deserve this. And, and nobody has to know, and, and nobody's going to be hurt by it. So we start to be drug away and enticed. And the picture here in the original text is of a hunter or a fisherman that's trying to lure his prey out from its safe cover. So that's, that's the picture that the author is trying to get us to see here. Now, there were two years in most of our lives that changed everything when it comes to being drug away and enticed. A couple things that happened that made it a lot easier for us to be drug away and enticed. And the first year was 1993, and that was the year that the, the internet was launched for the public to be able to use. The second is 2007. Anybody have a guess what happened in 2007? The iPhone was created. The smartphone was created. Now it's easier than ever to be drug away and enticed. You think about it. When you were growing up, when I was growing up, if, if there was a guy walking down the street and he had a, a, a Playboy or a dirty magazine in his back pocket and he was, he was just walking down the street, that would be strange to see that. And you would go, wow, that's super inappropriate. That's not right. But now we have a smartphone. That within just a couple of clicks on that phone, wherever we're at, as long as we have service, we could look at every piece of pornography ever made in the history of the world with, with just, with just in a, within a, a few seconds. That's how easy it is for us now to be drug away and enticed. And you think about David, he had to just happen upon his terrace, walk around the roof, while a woman just happened to be bathing within eyesight range. The devil didn't even have to try. He didn't even have to try with us. We've made sin so accessible that he can just make his life so much easier. Then it says, desire is conceived. The desire creates something 
it creates something. It's conception. It's creating. The desire creates something that should, we should not have. So this desire is conceived, and then it gives birth to sin. You've, you've done it now. You've eaten the apple. David sleeps with Bathsheba. He commits the sin. And then it says, sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Sin has one goal, and that is to destroy us. And the devil uses sin to fulfill his great commission. God had a great commission. He said, hey, you go out, you want to you teach others, you want to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. You want to go out, you want to make believers. That's his mission statement. But the devil's mission statement is to steal and kill and destroy. And he does that through sin. Now listen to this scripture through the message translation. Kind of gets us to see it from a different light. It says, don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil say, God is trying to trip me up. God is impervious to evil and puts evil in no one's way. The temptation to give in to evil comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing, flaring up of our own lust. Lust gets pregnant and has a baby. Sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. Now, it's bad enough when we fall into a trap of, or, or, or a mistake or a sin, but if we're not careful, it won't end there. Remember, it's a progression, that, that according to Scripture, that can lead to death. So it grows, it builds. Sin is never at, at it just takes a break in your life. It's always moving. It's trying to take more ground. And it, you're either fighting against it and pushing it back, or it's fighting against you and pushing you forward. In David's case, it progresses from adultery to murder. You'll remember in the story, he has Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, murdered to cover up the fact that he got her pregnant. He got Bathsheba pregnant. And the devil is so good that if he can keep you in sin long enough, he will convince you that you are doing nothing wrong and he will, he'll help you to justify your actions. Man, our culture right now is justifying everything. It justifies everything. It makes you think everything is okay. You hear people say things like, well, it's, it's my truth. It's my truth. It's how I identify. And if you don't accept it, what I'm doing or how I'm, I'm living, I reject you. You see, they wrap up their lifestyle or choices they're making into their identity. And they say things to us like, you're wrong. It's your problem. You just haven't evolved yet enough in your thinking. You're not wise enough yet. You, you'll get it one day. And David lives with this sin for a year before he finally comes clean. The devil puts this veil, Scripture calls it a veil of deception, over his own eyes to where he can't see the truth. And he doesn't ask for forgiveness. He doesn't even own what he's done or or, or, or show that it was a sin in any, in any way. Then uh, Galatians talks about what can happen if we're not careful when it comes to evil desires. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And we just talked about the progression of our sinful nature. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. 
and the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful, uh, of what, of what the sinful nature desires. So this is the difference between the leading of the Holy Spirit and, and then being led by desires. These two forces, according to Scripture, are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. You ever feel like there's a war going on inside you? There is. According to Scripture, they're always at odds with each other. They're always fighting against each other. Now skip down to verse 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So you follow, you follow your sinful nature, you stay in that sinful state, and these are the things that will come into your life. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts, out, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Is this not a picture of our world right now? The devil has been loosed into this world. He is, he is after us. He is after those that, that don't believe to keep them and after those that do believe. And it's obvious that things are getting worse and worse all the time. And then the Bible says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. What he's saying there is if you want to go into this lifestyle of sin, unconfessed, Un unrepentant sin, it is going to lead to death. You're, never, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And the longer the devil keeps you out of God's will and keeps you sinning, the more rotten fruits will be evident in your life. It's just the way it is. The devil corrupts. Sin corrupts. And he wants to take over your life with it. So, how do we slay the dragon of evil desires? Well, first of all, don't stop listening to godly counsel. Don't stop listening to God, godly counsel. Don't separate yourself from people that sharpen you. Scripture says that iron sharpeneth iron. And so when we're together with other Christians that love us and want the best for us and we're challenging each other, it's like we're sharpening ourselves. In the Bible, Saul stopped listening to Samuel. It cost him his life. It cost him everything. David stopped listening to Nathan. And he falls into this sin with Bathsheba. If you'll remember in the New Testament, the disciples, they didn't really want to hear all of what Jesus taught them. Only the parts that they wanted to hear. It's amazing, too, when we kind of fall into this state, how the devil will send people into our lives that will tell us what we want to hear. Well, he'll surround us with friends that don't really want the best for us. They just want to be friends, and so they say the the easy things. They don't, they don't want to challenge us. They want to just be like, oh yeah, you're good, and, and it's, it's all right, and you know, if that's the way you think, if that's the way you are, if that's what you want, if that's what makes you feel good, then do it. The devil does not want to have people in your life that will tell you the hard truth, and if you have someone, thank God for them. I think everybody in their life needs somebody that is either 10 to 15 years older than, than them and loves Jesus, that's been there before, that can talk to us, that can help us, that can guide us through tough times. And we'll listen because we know they've been there. The devil doesn't want those people in your life, so you have to seek them out. You have to find them. You have to befriend them. So we can't stop listening to godly counsel. The second thing we, we got to do is we have to invest in our relationship with God. If you don't plug into the guide for your life, you're going to get lost. 
it's amazing now you, you buy vehicles anymore and a lot of them have GPS systems in them, right? Navigation systems in them. And it's amazing because there's still people driving around that are lost. <laughs> They're lost. And you go, well, maybe their car didn't have navigation in it. Your phone has navigation in it. Your phone can be used for all kinds of bad stuff. Well, it can also be used for good stuff. But if you don't plug in your navigation, if you, if you don't take the time to enter in the address of where you're going, your navigation isn't going to work for you. It's the same thing in our relationship with the Lord. Because we, we got to pray. We have to communicate with, with God. We, we have to read the Bible, right? We have to worship. You, you know, people, people are crazy right now with what is the truth. What is the truth? Well, well, the truth is Scripture. It's the living Word of God. The Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's the truth. That's the truth that never changes and we have to stay plugged into that. We have to make sure on a daily basis that we're spending time with our Creator, the one that is supposed to be the guide for our life. Number three is don't miss church. Don't miss church. And I don't say that for selfish reasons, so that we can have more people in our worship services. I say that because God designed church for a reason. He designed us to be a family of believers that come together and all of our parts make one body. It drives me crazy when I hear people that will say things like, yeah, I don't go to church. The mountains are my church. Lake Powell's my church. Nature's my church. I, I, I worship way better in my home. Well, the problem with those things is it goes against Scripture. The Bible says, do not forsake the gathering together of the saints. And the reason for that is, is that God understands that there is strength in numbers. That when we're together, we're an army. When we're alone, we are susceptible to attack. And so we have to stay in here. You have to stay in here and be a part of the family of God. And, and here's the thing. When we're here together, just like this morning, when Sean got up in that song and we started talking about what that song meant and we sang it again, something changes in us. There's power in corporate worship. There is power when we worship our Heavenly Father and we do it together. That is a sign to the enemy of, hey, don't mess with me. I got look, look at all the people I got watching out, for my, watching out for me. Look at all the people watching my back right now. But when we're alone, oh, we're easy prey. So don't stop coming to church. Make it a part of your, of, of your life and you will be so much better for it. Number four, and this is the spiritual warfare part of it. Of course, prayer and reading your Bible and worship, that's all spiritual warfare. But this is where the rubber hits the road when it comes to spiritual warfare and this, it, when dealing with the evil desires in your life. Bind whatever spirit of desire that you are fighting in Jesus' name. So what is it? You probably didn't even have to think. You know exactly what it is. Is it a spirit of gluttony? Is it a spirit of lust? Is it a spirit of pornography? Is it a spirit of jealousy? Is it a spirit of anger? Is it a spirit of control? We, we, all, we all have one that wants to mess with us. What are you doing to fight it on a daily basis? You have to bind that spirit and cast it away according to Scripture. God gave us that authority. And when we do it in Jesus' name, it has to leave. But we have to do it daily. In Jesus' name, I bind the spirit of alcoholism and I cast it out of my life. 
In Jesus' name, I bind the spirit of, of lust or cheating or whatever it is. In Jesus' name, I bind that up and cast it away from me. In Jesus' name. Then we take the fight to him. I mean, we're, we're easy targets because most of us just don't want to fight. We don't know how. We need to stand up for ourselves. We need to stand up for the fact that we don't want to be susceptible to these evil desires anymore. We want to be different. Number five, stay out of the dragon's lair. Stay out of the dragon's lair. Don't put yourself in situations where you can fall into desire. Matthew 5, 27 says, You have heard the commandments that say, You must not commit adultery, but I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his eyes or in his heart. So if your eye, if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, of course, Jesus is not speaking literally here. He's not saying, get your old-timer pocket knife out and pop your, pop, pop your eyeball out. Because <laughs> he understands that a blind man can lust just as much as one that can see. What he's saying is, that ta- is to take things out of your life that can cause you to stumble. If Instagram is the doorway to porn for you, get rid of Instagram. You know, there's little doorways that the devil likes to use in our life, things that we see on a daily basis that, that he likes to use to, to, to sway us into sinful activity. And a lot of times people say, well, I'm, you know, I don't even struggle with pornography, but you know, I'll be on Facebook or I'll be on Instagram or some sort of social media and something will pop up and it, it, it intrigues me. It makes me curious. And then I start walking down that road and before you know it, I'm on a porn site. Get rid of Instagram. If that is a trigger for you, if that is something that causes you to go where the dragon wants you, get rid of it. A lot of times there's ads on those too that causes you. I've had people before that struggled with spending money that they didn't have. They finally had to just throw away the catalogs that would come in the mail because when they started looking through catalogs it made them desire stuff they couldn't afford and then they would buy stuff. Well, now you don't need catalogs. Every time you go on social media, every time you go on the internet, there's these pop-ups, right? If you need this, you need this, this will make you feel better, this is something you'll like, you'll enjoy this, do this. And then you end up spending stuff that you don't, spending money that you don't have. So whatever it is, cut it out. If chips and salsa are a trigger food for you to binge, don't keep them in your cupboard. I hit a nerve there. (laughs) Some of you actually coughed like... (coughs) You still have chips from last night caught in your throat. <laughs> if, some, if you have something in your cupboard, in your, in your refrigerator that's a trigger food, get rid of it. If, if a group of friends pressures you to go out and drink too much and make poor decisions, then get new friends. Get new friends. Don't let friendships keep you in the lair. And here's the thing. Maybe if you went to those friends and said, look, I'm really trying to live for the Lord. I don't want to go clubbing anymore. I don't want to go partying anymore. I don't want to, I, 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 it's not good for me. I need to get away. One of your friends may go, you know what, you're right. I'm sorry. Let's covenant together that we won't do that. You might be surprised. If, you're, if watching sad movies causes you to want to spend money that you don't have, stop watching sad movies. If you're dating someone that is pressuring you to have sex, Dump them. 
Dump them. They don't get that for free. You understand what I'm saying? When we give that up for free without covenant, it cheapens what it is. And it opens the door to the enemy to hit us in all kinds of different ways. Now, maybe you're engaged right now. Maybe you're dating somebody right now, and you're planning on getting married. You can go to them and say, look, I don't feel good about these choices we're making. We don't need to be having sex before we're married. Let's start anew. Let's start a new set of virginity guidelines until our wedding night. And let's set a new standard. Let's be virgins again until we're married. Do you know how much God will bless that? Culture says, oh, it's fine. You know, if it feels good, do it. And if you, if you really love them, it's fine. That's what culture says. That's not what the truth says. So if somebody's causing you to sin, you may just need to break up with them. And I know it's weird. Adults breaking up with adults. Like, I, I have this guy friend, and we go play golf, and then we get hammered, and then we go do stuff we shouldn't do. Break up with that friend. Break up. Set a new standard for your life. And then finally this morning, if you're in the state where evil desires are having their way with you, get help. Get help. The devil wants you isolated and alone. The church says, no, no, no. We're better together. Come here. We will help you. We've been there before. We have gone through what you've gone through. Let us help each other. We have all kinds of programs for that here. We, life's healing choices, divorce share, uh, care, grief share. What is happening at our care nights on Monday nights is incredible. We have 60-some people showing up, whether it's for divorce care, grief share, or a life's healing cho- choices, and they are getting help and support for something they're struggling with. But our pride doesn't even want us to admit that we have a problem. But, but pride comes from the evil one, right? That's why he got thrown out of heaven was his own pride it's okay to be transparent it's okay to show up on a monday night and go yeah yeah i'm struggling i need help i can't do this alone god never designed you to do it alone in fact i was reading in scripture this morning i was having my devotional time and do you know what the first thing god said was in his creation that wasn't good it was adam being alone that's the first thing he noticed. It's like, that's not, this isn't good. You need somebody. And so scripture says that he sent a helper. Now, some people will go, oh, that, well, that's not, that's not politically correct. You just called his wife a helper. Do you know that God calls the Holy Spirit the helper for us? So God gives us and wants us to have this mate to help us to go through life, but it can't stop there because she can't meet all of those needs for you or he can't meet all those needs for you. So you need friendships. You need relationships. You need somebody that can help you go through these storms. And when you get that help, it changes everything. We have this beautiful ministry here for ladies called The Bridge that just helps those that are struggling with something, that have gone through a hardship, move through it. Spiritual warfare and deliverance, if I hadn't experienced spiritual warfare and deliverance 23 years ago in the way that I did, the devil would have completely taken me out. Because I had an evil desire that was taking me over. And I tried counseling, and I tried accountability, and I tried all these things. But until I allowed myself to be open and transparent and let other people pray for me and point out what the issues were, the real issues were in my life, I couldn't get free. But once I got free, 
it changed everything. Now, that doesn't mean I still don't struggle. That doesn't mean that I'm still not tempted. But when I got free, it changed the fight. It changed the fight. And for some of you, you need the fight to change. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You have fought this same demon your whole life, and you want it gone. Some of those demons and some of those issues, you can't get over without help. Go through spiritual warfare. Go through deliverance. Get into a small group. Get into an accountability group where people can, can, can help you and love you. Now, a lot of us, we've been hurt by friendships in the past, so we just kind of have the attitude of, you know what, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I can trust anymore. Take a chance on love, guys. Take a chance on what others can do for you if you allow the Holy Spirit to work through them. It changes everything. The rest of Galatians chapter 5 says, but when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here there is no conflict with the law. So we read all those other manifestations of what desire does, evil desire does. But God is saying, when you choose me, this is what you get. So what I want you to do this morning is just is bow your head. And I want you to think about what it is that you struggle with. What is the evil desire that comes against you? You probably didn't have to think long. And I want you to take that evil desire and I want you to lay it at the feet of Christ right now. Just mentally see yourself doing that with Jesus. Lay it at his feet. And Lord, whatever it is that we're facing right now, we ask that you would heal us protect us, do warfare on our behalf. I pray that you would bind up the spirit of lust, bind up the spirit of, of jealousy, bind up the spirit of greed, bind up the spirit of envy, bind up the spirit of adultery, bind up the spirit of, of, uh, uh, of, of addiction. Whatever it is, Lord, that, that we've been struggling with, we we ask that you would bind it up. We give it over to you, and we, in Jesus' name, by the power of Jesus of Nazareth, command it to leave us. So I want you to tell it to leave. Tell it you don't want it anymore. Lord, I pray for freedom in this room. And I pray, Lord, that you'd be a lamp into every one of our feet. That we would know the relationships that we need to start. That you would bring people into our life that will tell us the truth. That we would make an effort to spend time with you daily, plugging into you, God, because you're our ultimate GPS. And then guide our path to where we can get the help. And I pray in Jesus' name that you'd bind a spirit of pride that would cause us not to be open and transparent and vulnerable to get that help. 
Show us what you'd want us to do, God. Maybe it's spiritual warfare. Maybe it's grief share. Maybe it's divorce care. Maybe it's the bridge. Whatever, Lord. Put something in our life that will help us be able to walk out this righteous life that you would want us to have. And we're not perfect, God. We know we're still going to fail. But help us to not have to fight battles that you don't want us to fight. Do warfare for us, Jesus. And we'll give you all the praise and the honor and glory for it. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. Don't miss next week, week four. Pastor Hooper will be bringing it. It's going to be awesome. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do this right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text us at heaven and 94,000 to get in contact with one of our staff where we can answer any questions that you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You could submit your prayer requests by texting prayer support to 94,000 as well. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text Fellowship to 94,000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.